Ben, thank you, worship team, and thank you, Londa, for the beautiful music. Ben, and thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. You, you are some of the most generous, faithful people. I mean, just I'm amazed at how God works through you to meet every need according to his riches and glory. And uh, it just, uh, I, I, I'm thankful for your faith, and I'm thankful for your faithfulness, and I'm thank you for your generosity and for the ministry that you enable because of your faith and faithfulness. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah, the 50th chapter. And as you're turning to Isaiah 50, I am going to begin to read to you from uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, just a short passage where it says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, now when these things begin to happen, this is a timely message. The Lord says, now when these things begin to happen, look up, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. I want to speak on the subject of redemption this morning. And not just on the matter of redemption, but upon the person who is the Redeemer. Amen. Because we need to look up and we need to lift up our heads. Looking up our eyes changes our focus. Men, there are a lot of Christians who are dragging these days because they're looking at the news all the time. They're on the internet all the time. They're following all the news and all the conspiracies. Why, there's even on the internet, you can get new, uh, fake news about fake news. You can just bury yourself in garbage. That's not looking up, folks. That's looking around. That's looking around. And, and it's okay to watch. But it's not okay to watch unless you pray. Because if you watch and you don't pray, your ship's going to sink in some pretty deep waters. Your soul is going to be cast down, not lifted up. The Lord's instruction is you look up. You focus on what I'm doing. You focus on who I am. And you lift up your head where our brain is, where our mind is. And you change how you think. Because we're not supposed to think like everybody else thinks. We had a, a youth evangelist from the Foursquare come and preach at a conference several years ago. And he got up and he, he just said, I'm different. I'm different. I'm not. I'm, I'm different. 
I'm different. And he kept telling us how different he was. And the reason he's different is because he's holy. And that word means holy means other than. And holy people are other than normal people. They don't think like normal people. They don't focus on the things that normal people focus on. They're focusing on something higher. They're focusing on something greater. And they are, know that God has called them to be a different voice in this world. And not to be an echo of what everybody else is saying, a mimic of what everybody else is doing, but to have the courage and the willingness to be bold and to be different and other than normal people. Amen? Guess what, people? We are not here to make the world like us. And we're not here to be like the world. We're here to serve and honor and please the Lord. And do what he has called us to do. And he has said, look up, lift up. Look up, lift up. First change your focus, then change your mind. Let God put something different in your head. Let God put his thoughts in your heart. Lift up your heads. Lift up, lift up, look up, lift up. Amen. And what are we to be looking at? We're to be looking at our redemption, our redeemer. Hallelujah. God is a redeeming God. The Bible is the story of redemption from beginning to end. You say, what is redemption? Redemption is God reversing the curse of sin. Redemption is God lifting the darkness off the earth and replacing it with his light. Redemption is driving back the forces of evil and raising up the people of righteousness. That is what redemption is. Redemption is what we've been singing all about this morning. God setting us out of the prison, setting us free so we can set other people free. We are to be redeemed and we are to be redeeming people. We are not here just to sit around and watch God do it. We are here to do it with him. But if we're going to do it with him, we have to look up. And then we have to lift up our heads and begin to think in a way that we don't normally think. Amen. I tell you what, you can make a difference. Now, my poor wife, Judy, has stepped out. So I will now use her as an example in my sermon. It was a number of years ago. Let's see, maybe hmm, almost 30 years ago. Anyway... Uh, and Jonathan was in high school. And uh, he had uh, Pastor Jonathan was in high school. But that was before he was a pastor. That was when he was still part of the problem. Uh, yeah, but you're also in the story. The names have not been changed to protect the guilty. But anyway... So, anyway, Jonathan had a car, and one night somebody came along, busted out the windows of his car, and stole his stereo that he'd invested his whole life in. I mean, he may not have had anything else, but he had the most powerful stereo in his car. I mean, you could, we didn't have to worry about when he was coming home. We could hear him two miles away. Boom, 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 boom. I told him, I said, you might want to turn that stereo off about a mile away from house so nobody will know where you live because they're going to want that thing in their car. 
Well, somebody wanted that thing, and he forgot to turn it off and followed him home. And anyway, they came by that night, stole his stereo. Well, Judy was feeling a little bit of uh, motherly uh, bear instincts and sense of injustice and everything. And so uh, one night she was leaving the church and our van and Judy, Julia, who was a very small young girl at that time, was in the back seat. And uh, as, as they were going down 164th here, right there, just where Martha Lake is, uh, there was a young man who had a red sports car and he had done something crazy on the freeway and there was a big man with a t-shirt and tattoos in a big old truck who he'd cut off on the freeway. And anyway, this big old man was yelling at the window, out the window of his truck, at this little boy, teenage boy, about Jonathan's age, and now in a little bit of trouble himself. And so anyway, Mother Bear decided to think differently about the situation. So anyway, at the next light, she could see that the young boy was going to do a U-turn and get out of this old man's, this mean man's way. So anyway, she ran a red light, went down the block, did a U-turn herself, waited for the boy to turn, then pulled her van between him and the big guy in the truck. And there was a construction zone, so it was one lane. So she, by stopping her van, stopped traffic on all of 164th. <laughs> Got out of her car, told Julia, whatever happens, don't you leave this van. She walked up to that man, put her hand on his arm, and said to him, why do you want to kill that boy? What did he do to deserve this? And he hung his head in shame. And she just looked at him and said, sir, Jesus loves you. He doesn't want you to be angry. And he shook his head. Yeah. Anyway, the boy escaped, and <laughs> for my sake, Mama Bear escaped. And Julia stayed alive and all that. But she just wasn't going to let that situation go by undealt with. Amen. And so there's a lot of things going on around us that God wants us to intervene in. You know, not just, I'm not saying be careless, but if you feel the Holy Spirit moving you to do something, do it. Amen. Jump in there with both feet if you must. And, and, and be, let the Lord use you. In that moment to change what's going on right there, don't, you know, you could be somebody's lifesaver. You could make a difference in their life. And I don't think that man in that truck will ever forget what that woman said to him. Mm -mm. I think he lay down at night and he still hears that. I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. So, anyway, I'm just saying, you know, God might have a different way for us to be thinking about situations than we have been thinking about them previously because in the present circumstance, there's a lot of self-preservation going on, right? I'm going to make sure me and mine are okay and I can't worry about anybody else right now. But I believe that's not where God wants us to be. He wants us to be looking up to our Redeemer and anticipating and expecting our redemption, but also living in the reality that a lot of our redemption is already complete. 
It's already been done. Now that's why I want to turn to Isaiah 50, verses 1 through 9. And this morning I want to read to you from the new or the English Standard Version. Makes it just changes a few words to there's still accurate translation, but it makes it clearer. Isaiah 51 through 9. Where is your mother's certificate of divorce, which I sent her when I sent her away? Or which of my creditors uh, is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, your iniquities be, be called, for your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why, when I came, was there no man? The Lord often asks that question. Why was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? But he said, if I can't get a response from somebody else, I've added that. I can't get, I called and nobody answered. I looked and couldn't, no one was to be found. So, anyway, then he goes on to say, is my hand shortened that I cannot redeem? Important word there. Is my hand shortened that I cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a desert. Their fish stink for lack of water and die for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. Look up in the sky and don't think about force fires. Think about sackcloth and ashes. Because God has covered the, 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 the sky of, over this nation with darkness and with sackcloth. Because he's saying it's time to repent of your sins. So God is active in the earth bringing forth a redemption. So when you go outside and you see that smoke, remember what the Lord said. Look, don't I have the power to do this? And he might even be saying, isn't there a need to do this? How many of you think that a few days of smoke from fires in Oregon might be better than an eternity in the fires of hell? Think about it. The Lord's saying, I'm, I have the power. I can do this. I have the power to cover blackness across the sky. And I have the power to clothe the sky with sackcloth and ashes. The ashes, I added that. But the Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain him with the word who is weary. That's our Redeemer. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I might know how to sustain him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens me. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ears and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. When the Lord was calling Jesus to his mission, 
when he was calling him to the cross, he was not rebellious and he did not turn back. Think about that. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. I know I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me and will declare me guilty. Behold, all of them are declared me guilty. Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. <laughs> Amen? You can look at the most wicked thing on the face of the earth and go, you're going to wear out like a garment and the moths are going to eat you up. You may think you have power. You may think you have influence. But I know a God who's a God of help and is going to come to the help of the righteous. And they're going to wear out like an old garment. And the moth's going to eat what's left of that old garment. And they're going to be naked. They're going to have nothing to cover them because their nakedness will be exposed. That's a little bit about what we're praying about, isn't it? That God will expose the nakedness of the wicked. Okay, for two reasons. One, so nobody will follow them. Nobody will believe them. But also, maybe they'll wake up. And go, I might need God. I might need a redeemer. I might need redemption. God has a purpose in what he does. And it's always a good purpose. Amen? So, you know, and God doesn't always work the way we think he works. When I was a college student, I knew I'd done something the Lord didn't want me to do. And I figured I was in a lot of trouble with God and that he was just looking for a way to get me sooner or later and punish me. So I was expecting evil to befall me at any moment. And I went home to eat lunch and I sat down at the table where my roommate had left his Bible open. And I was eating a sandwich and I looked at his Bible and it was open to Romans, the second chapter. And I, he had highlighted the fourth verse with his highlighter. And it said, it was the word of the Lord. It says, do you not see how through my goodness I've called you to repentance? <laughs> I go, okay, Lord, I get it. <laughs> I get it. You, you, you have more than one way to getting me to repent. God tries goodness first. If that doesn't work, he'll try something else. But he's calling us to repentance. That's why the skies are covered with sackcloth. That's why there's smoke in the air and ashes are falling down upon the cities of the western part of the United States because it's time to repent of our sins and to turn from our iniquities. But the Lord speaks to us and said, in this situation, I want you to have a different view. Verse 1 of this chapter here is very poignant. 
And uh, there's three things in this verse, verse. They, they're kind of in, couched in the language of the prophetic and the historic, and you don't need to be an expert on the history of Israel to know this, but uh, there's three things going on in verse 1. One is there's a divorce. Number two, there's a bankruptcy. And number three, there's a fire sale. He asked them, where's, where, where, where is the bill of divorcement by which I put away your mother? So mom's been divorced. She's gone. And then he says, talks about debt and indebtedness. And then he talks about them being sold into slavery. That's the fire sale. Those three things. But even though there's been a divorce, even though there's been a bankruptcy, even though there's been a fire sale and they're slaves, the Lord says, I'm strong and I'm able to deliver you. I'm strong and I'm able to deliver you. Amen? Now, can I give you just a hint of maybe a new way of thinking? If you've been through a divorce, whose divorce is it? When you're talking to your friends, do you say, my divorce? Do you have a huge debt? When you're talking to someone about your financial situation, do you call it my debt? When you have a habit that you cannot break, do you refer to it as my habit? If you're using the pronoun my, you still have not gone to the Redeemer. Because if you go to the Redeemer, the problem becomes his. It's his divorce. It's his debt. And it's his bondage. You have to let it be his. When I went to the cross and made my sin his sin, my sin got lifted off of me. And I experienced the forgiveness of God. But if it was still mine, it would still be mine. I had to give it to him. I had to give my life to him. I had to give him the Lord. I, I wanted to give him something good. The Lord said, I want the whole deal. I want your life. I want your life. That's why you read those redemptive statements in, in, in Isaiah 61. He's given me beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The Lord has changed my life. Pastor John Branson gave such a beautiful testimony this morning of being a drunkard and a prisoner and a prisoner in Wyoming and God set him free. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, <laughs> I met him in 1980 and he was saved and he was sanctified and he's never gone back to his old life. Never. Because he's been set free. He's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We were singing about it this morning. Amen. So much there that we have to realize, amen. But you see, these things are possible when we begin to look up to redemption 
we begin to allow the Lord to lift up our minds. That's what I'm praying for this morning as I minister, that God will lift up your mind from the problem to the Redeemer. From the problem to the one who answers, whose hand is not shortened, whose arm is not weak, but it's mighty and it's powerful and is able to save us. Hallelujah. So I'm trying to tell you that this morning, it's not just about watching, it's about praying. And as we sense that we're approaching these last days, what's most important here is that we do not let our hearts be overcome by fear. Don't let your hearts be overcome by fear. Poor Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Carolyn back in March, they had to confront me that maybe we would have to stop having services. I did not make their job easy. No way did I want to stop having service. But the thing is, is my spirit rose up in me and I said, I hate fear. I hate fear. And I'm not going to let it control me anymore. Because I've been set free from a spirit of fear. The Lord says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear but a spirit of love and power and soundness of mind. I hate fear. Fear is what makes me hide from God. Fear is what makes me sin. Fear paralyzes me. Fear makes me to be useless and tormented. So I hate fear. I don't like it in me and I don't like it in anybody else. Now, I understand why people are afraid. Okay, now there's one thing I'm still afraid of, heights. I can take this. Now, if I was about 30 feet in the air, I would not be getting anywhere near this close to the edge. I don't like heights. Just my stomach just goes, anyway, I'm okay with airplanes, but anyway, don't like cliffs, don't like the sides of buildings. Don't like going on the roof of skyscrapers. No, not me. Anyway, but the thing is, is I hate fear. I even hate that fear. I hate the fact that it has any control over me at all. Because fear is a terrible thing. Fear has torment. But God sent his perfect love in our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, to cast every fear out of us. Amen. I suppose when I get raptured, Mike Siah, I will no longer be afraid of heights. That's going to be a pretty fast elevator. But, you know, the Lord has his way of dealing with things, right? But I hate fear. And the only way you can overcome fear is to get hold of the Redeemer. Watch. Know that there's things out there that you have to be concerned about. But don't let concern turn into fear. And it's prayer that keeps that from happening in our lives. (laughs) I'm going to use Pastor Jonathan again as a mess. I owe him $2 today. 
but this, this, is, this is more like a commercial. This is more like a brag. It's not using him as an illustration. But his job at his company is to be a communicator and a coordinator. And he spends all of his day on a phone. And I was joking with him the other day that at the end of the day, he might have to have that phone surgically removed from his ear. I mean, the whole day he's talking to people. And I mean, these are serious things he's talking about. These people trying to get them... To, to, to work together and to coordinate and find answers and find solutions. But there's one thing I know about Pastor Jonathan is before he goes to work to take their phone calls, he has a phone call with Jesus. He watches, and I believe it's the Lord that gives him the wisdom and the grace to deal with those problems all day long. So he's a wise man, and he's a very good example. So anyway, just promoting him a little bit there. Because he is wise, and he is a good example to follow. But if we would spend time talking to the Lord about our problems, the Lord would give us answers. And then we could go say to our problems, thus saith the Lord. Now, you may not get away with that at work, but you can dump the Lord's answer on them, you know, without them knowing that you did it. Right? And I, I think he ends up ministering to a lot of people so that they get past what's ever paralyzing them, whatever God's locked them down, so that they can be free to work something out. But the Lord can use, do that for any of us and for all of us. Amen. That's what I'm talking about this morning. And the point of this message is to inspire you, to enable you to look up with your eyes and to lift up your thoughts. And to not just look at the problems, but look to the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. As I was saying, the Bible is just the whole story of redemption from beginning to end. Over a period of 7,000 years until that last day when the devil gets thrown into the lake of fire for the rest of eternity. And we are going to rule and reign with Christ for the rest of eternity. But that will be the end of evil. At that point, redemption will be complete. Amen? Now, how many of you have problems with your body? You know, sometimes it just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Sometimes it breaks down before it's supposed to. Amen. But one of these days, we're going to have a resurrected body. Amen. Judy's waiting for that day when her husband becomes handsome again, like he used to be. But anyway. <laughs> but we'll get a new body. And there'll be no... Mortality will put on immortality. Corruption will put on incorruption. We'll be raised. Perfect. We'll be like Jesus. We'll have a kind of body he had after the resurrection. Well, parents, you'll be able to walk through the wall and chase down your teenagers. Anyway, think about it. But redemption is the process by which the Lord undoes what evil has done and repairs us as sinners. Whether it's original sin that affects all of creation, or whether it's our own personal sin that pollutes and contaminates our own lives, 
and our own thoughts. Whether it's servitude or fear of Satan, no matter what, corruption, the lust of this world, Jesus died on the cross to redeem us from all of those things. To redeem means to buy things back. The wages of sin is what? What did Jesus pay? What was the price he paid? Death. He paid the debt for you. To bring you out of debt. He broke the power of sin and hell and the grave over your life. Amen. He paid that debt you could not afford to pay. That's what he did. Because he loved you. Because he loved you. It wasn't a matter of the father punishing him. It was a matter of him stepping in our place to spare us from judgment so that we would not have to go to hell. He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He became poor that we might be rich. Hallelujah. That's the story of redemption. He's redeemed us from sin. He's redeemed us, the Bible says, from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from the effects of sin. He redeems us from all bondage. If you have a habit you cannot break, if you're addicted to drugs or something, whatever your addiction is, Jesus can set you free. And it doesn't take forever. There's a lot of 12-step programs out there, and I believe Jesus has a one-step program from death to life, from bondage to freedom. It redeems us from the power of evil and from the evil one, from death, all those things. Jesus declared his purpose. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The person and the things the person lost. Jesus has come to restore those things to us. How many of you lost your joy and found in the Lord he gave it back to you? How many of you lost hope and found that in Jesus he gave hope back to you? There are numerous people in this church who owed great debts because of their former life that when Jesus began to work in their life and they lifted up their eyes to their Redeemer and began to allow him to change their thinking, God brought them out of debt and set them free. Amen. And believe me, I want to encourage you. There is a way for you to be free from debt. It's okay to owe money on the car as long as you don't owe more than the car's worth. It's okay to use borrowed money to buy a house. But if the house is worth more than the loan, that's okay. You might need to do that. But to borrow for silly stuff or things that you shouldn't have to borrow for, that is not good. God wants to set you free from debt. I'm telling you this morning, I have seen God miraculously deliver people in this congregation from great debts. 
Once they gave their heart to the Lord and they began to look up to him and they were putting confidence in him and his ability to deliver them, not their own ability to deliver themselves. Pastors hear some interesting stuff. I, I remember many, many years an elder in this church. I won't tell you which one. We, we had a financial problem and he told us that what we needed to do was go buy a lottery ticket and pray over it and God would use it to pay the debts of the church. At that point, you're still seeing yourself as the answer. You're still seeing the arm of flesh as your greatest resource. Amen? Believe me, the lottery commission of the state of Washington is not interested in helping anybody get out of debt. If you give them any of your money, you're putting it in a hole and you will never see it again. So don't do that. Okay, gambling is not good. It's the spirit of lust. You're not going to get something for nothing. Okay, got it? Can I go on from here? You can remember that one? All right. So anyway, there's so much in this passage of Scripture. But I... I am so amazed at how God does things. He does more than the Bible says that we can even think, dare, hope for, or ask. And, um, you know, I, I should know better. I should know more. But uh, even though I've seen him do it before, I'm still amazed when he does it again. It's always like, wow, look what the Lord did. Just look what the Lord did. About... 25 years ago, I was in Moldova, and uh, on one particular day, they'd asked me to MC the crusade, so I was sitting on the platform as the MC, and the evangelist was up preaching, and I noticed a commotion in the crowd out here, and it kept getting worse and worse, and more and more people were being distracted by this commotion, what was ever going on over there, so I decided for the sake of the preaching of the gospel and those people so they could listen to the gospel, I'd go over there and see if there was any way anything I could do. So I grabbed a couple of the men who were like ushers and asked them to go over there with me. And so I, we went and we kind of went over to find out what was going on. And I go over there and there was a young girl uh, about 18 years old or so. And she was laying on the ground and she was uh, having spasms and contorting and flipping back and forth. And I thought it was epilepsy, but then as I began to look at it, I realized, no, this is not epilepsy. This is demonic. And so she had a good little friend who was there, brought her to the crusade that day. And I said, how long has she had this? She said, oh, about six months ago, she went to a place where there was a hypnotist, and he would hypnotize hundreds of people at the same time. And after she went to, to that place and was hypnotized, this spirit came upon her. And this happens every so often, and that, that spirit just takes over. And so I asked these two men who were there with me, I said, is there a place we can take her and get her out of here where we can talk to her and pray for her? And they said, well, there's the bus over there, and there was a bus that a lot of the workers had ridden on to come to the crusade. So we took this young girl over on the bus and her dear friend, and her dear friend was saved and sanctified, but she wasn't. And it was a little hard to minister to the girl because she was very immodestly dressed. And, but anyway, I figured we got to talk to her somehow. So anyway, kept my eyes lifted up. But um, 
so trying to minister to this young girl and then her friend told us about the situation and then we told her well this is the power of people we're going to pray for you and we're going to take authority over this thing that's going to leave you right now and so we didn't pray great big prayer or anything it was just a simple prayer of faith asking the lord to set her free from that spirit and then immediately after she was set free from that spirit we shared with her that she needed to fill her life with jesus christ and so anyway uh we prayed with her and she she accepted the lord into her life that day and um anyway it was an interesting experience uh she asked me after we prayed for her how she should dress what about the boys and um so that was an interesting question and i was leaning hard on the holy spirit because i was talking to someone through a translator in a different culture and so anyway the holy spirit gave me an answer an, an idea and i said to her i said what kind of boy do you want to marry she says what do you mean i said well there's two kinds of boys uh i said she said there is i said yes there 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 are bees and there are flies i said which kind of boy do you want i said a fly goes around sits on the garbage and then flies away a bee works hard all day and brings home honey and makes life sweet so what do you want uh do you want a bee or do you want to fly and she says i want a bee i said well then dress like a flower so i gave her that little encouragement so um then uh the next morning we were walking into a church where we'd been invited to minister and i walked into the foyer of this church and there was a balcony up there and uh, somebody up on the balcony was yelling at me, and I looked up there, and there's this girl yelling at me, hi, hi, hi. And, and I'm looking at her, and I go, I don't know you. Who are you? And then suddenly it hit me. It was the girl we prayed for the day before, but she was so different, I couldn't even recognize her. That's redemption. When the Lord comes in and changes a person's life, completely amen because that's the power of god and i'm telling you in these days don't go crazy with all of the things that are going on i was joking with some friends on friday i said let's write the headlines for next week what, what what's what's going to happen this next week we had no idea last week what was going to happen this week what's going to happen next week so we were joking about it. None of us, we all realize we don't have a clue what's going to happen this week. But anyway, because everything that happens is so strange and so weird, you couldn't imagine in a thousand years, right? Who would have thought last Sunday when it was 90 degrees that we'd all be wearing coats to church today? I mean, how do you know? You don't. But the thing is, is we know our Redeemer. We know our Redeemer lives. And we know, amen, so... The thing is, is we're in these days where nobody knows what's going to happen next. But we know the Redeemer. The Bible says when you see these things coming, he says these are going to be strange things. Some of them are going to be terrible things. But when you see these things, you lift up, you look up, and you lift up your heads. Look up, because your redemption draws nigh. One of the things I love about that passage in, in, in Isaiah is it says he is near. He's near. 
because the Lord was looking for an intercessor or looking for a redeemer. Same thing, practically. But that redeemer has to have certain qualifications. See, Jonathan can redeem me from my debts because he's a near kinsman. He's a close relative. I hope he's close enough. I don't, you know, if I, if I ever needed him. But anyway, but the thing is, he not only has to be close, he has to be willing and able to redeem me. The Lord is close to us. He's willing. He is so willing, Grace. He set his face like flint. He knew what it would take to redeem us. And he set his face like flint towards that cross in Jerusalem and said, I'm not going to turn back. I am going to press into this and I am going to go where the Father has called me to go and I'm going to do what he's called me to do. And he set his face to redeem us. And I want you to know this morning, we need to set our face toward the Redeemer. If he set his face for us, we need to set our face to him. I'll get back where I'm supposed to be up here for the sake of the cameraman. Anyway, I'm sorry. I forget. I just like to be close to people, especially my granddaughter. But anyway, so I can help her because I'm close to her. And so the Lord's close to you. You know, the Bible tells us, don't say he's far away. Don't, in Romans 10, it says, don't say God's far away. A lot of us, when we pray, we're going, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Because why? He's way up there, and we're way down here. But in Romans 10, it says, Do not say I'm far away, for I am near unto thee, even in your mouth. Woo! When you call upon him, he will come. When you call upon him, he is near. He is qualified to be our redeemer because he came down from heaven, became a man so he could be our kinsman. He could be our near kinsman. He came and he experienced the temptations that we experience. Why? So he could be our kinsman, so he could have compassion upon us. He came down to earth to be near to us. He came and he was the friend of sinners. That's one of my favorite gospel expressions. Why is your master a friend of sinners? Because he came to save sinners from their sin. And he is our friend. He is not our enemy. I tell you this morning, believe me, he is not your enemy. He is your friend. You may be at enmity with God, but he is not at enmity with you. If you come, he, if you call, he will come. If you call, he will come. One night I was having an asthma attack. And I realized I had no asthma medicine. And I had to go out in my car on a cold, damp night and drive to a store to buy something, to, uh, an inhaler to, for my asthma. And I got out in the car and I, I was, the, the attack was so severe I could not breathe. And I thought I was going to die right there behind the steering wheel of that car. And with everything that was in me, 
I finally managed to get out half of one word, Jesus. And when I said the name of Jesus, that pressure relieved off of my chest, and I was able to go get the medicine. Well, that was 1980. 1987, dear Sharon prayed for me all day, one day, Saturday, and then prayed for me on Sunday, and the Lord healed me of asthma in 1987, and I've been free of it since then. But thank God for someone who was near, a friend who was near, and who knew the other friend that is near named Jesus, and was talking to my close friends talking to each other about that disease, and I was set free because of that prayer, that effectual prayer. But you have to know the Redeemer, and you have to know His willingness. Amen? I've shared this so many ways, but the Lord's a Redeemer. He paid the price we couldn't pay. He set us free from sin. He paid our debt. He set us at liberty. He's done all of these things. He's given us back life. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. He gave us the gift of life. We lost our ability to have dominion over life. And he made us so that we could rule and reign in our life through Jesus Christ. And the dominion, the dominion that Adam and Eve lost in the garden, Jesus has restored to those who will trust him as their redeemer. The Lord's given you the ability to be responsible and make the right choices. He will give you the tongue of the learned so that you will hear that word in season. You will know what to say. You will know what to do because you're hearing from the one who has heard from the Father. And that word gives us the power to do what is needed. We sang the sermon this morning. Did you notice that? I don't know who picked the songs, but they did a really good job. And they sang the sermon this morning. Everything was about being set free. There's an old song, one of my favorite songs by Bill and Gloria Gaither. It was written 50 years ago. It says, if ever there were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams at the start. And hope for life's best were the hopes that I harbored down deep in my heart. But my dreams turned to ashes, and all my castles crumbled. My fortune turned to loss. So I wrapped it all in the rags of life, and I laid it at the cross. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. And I have those words up there that we were singing that first song we sang this morning. We're not going to sing it. I just want to read it. Remind you what it says. I was buried beneath my shame and could not carry kind of weight. Next. It was my tomb till I met you. 
I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Hallelujah. Out of the darkness and into your glorious day. Hallelujah. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old maid knew Jesus when I met you. That's the contemporary version. I'll stop there. That's the contemporary version of the song of redemption. Amen. Those words are so true this morning. And I want to speak to those of you who are online with us today and just tell you today that no matter where you are or what circumstance you're in, the Lord says to you, look up. Look up. Lift up. Look up. Look up with your eyes to the Lord. Lift up your head to the Lord and look at your Redeemer. Look at your redemption. Look at what Jesus has done for you and wants to do for you. He came to set you free. He came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. He came that he might bear all of your burdens. Jesus said it so clearly. Cast all your burdens on the Lord. Cast all your burdens on the Lord, every burden. The Lord does not want you to be weighed down with guilt or shame. It does not matter what you've done. I think there's somebody watching today. You've had an abortion. You've lived in shame. Afraid to tell anybody what you had to go through. But I'm telling you, we have a God who is greater than all of our sin. Paul the Apostle killed many people. The Lord forgave him and called him to be a missionary. Men, your life's not over. You've not done something God cannot forgive. There's hope, there's redemption for you. There are others who say, but pastor, you don't know where I am. You don't know what I've had been through. No, I don't, but there's one who does. And there's one who cares. And if you lift up your voice to him this morning and give him your life, take the rags of your life, wrap up all of those things and give them to the Lord. Lay them at the foot of the cross and he will give you life and more abundantly. Lord, I pray for these who are watching right now. And I ask you, Lord, for your redemptive grace to begin to work marvelous miracles in their lives. Lord, I don't know who they are, but you do. And Lord, as they call upon your name, Jesus, I ask you to work miracles of change and redemption. Lord, you said, I make all things new. And Lord, we ask you to make everything new in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus.